Get ready, Avalanche territory. It's now time for the Mile High Hockey Podcast with Mike Evans on your home for the most Avalanche content. Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Hello again, everyone, and welcome in to the Mile High Hockey Podcast. I am your host, Mike Evans. And as always, I want to thank our sponsor of this podcast, great folks over at TNT Home Services for all your plumbing, electrical, uh, heating, cooling issues, whatever they may be, reach out to my friends at TNT Home Services. Call them at 720-500-1979 and at tnthomeservicesco.com, TNT Home Services, we got your six. What a week it's been for the Avalanche as they continue to grind through the season and playing better after a little bit of a stumble there, their first real hiccup of the season, losing four out of five. But the story this week, the trades that were made. And, and let's talk about them and the and the very clear message that Joe Sackick delivered. And you start with the Josh Manson trade, and it it to me was a it was a really good trade. And and I know, I know in the numbers world we live in, you you tend to look at the stats and you look at Josh Manson and you don't see a lot of goals, you don't see a lot of assists, you don't see a lot of points. In fact, this guy, boy, you talk about having the right year in a contract year he did and was able to parlay it into a four-year 16 million dollar deal but that's that's not who he is that's not what he brings and I think you saw it on display in his first game as an avalanche against the Kings when he had 10 hits 10 hits and the avalanche they don't need more scoring they don't need more sizzle they need toughness. They need to have more of a backbone. They need more physicality. And that's why I thought the Josh Manson trade was such a good one. Because it brings an element that the Avalanche need more of. Joe Sackick heard your complaints. Heard your pleas. Heard your uh, sadness over how Avalanche playoff teams in the past, especially in the loss to Vegas, there was just this 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 disappointing um, feeling that, wow, we're just, we're too soft. We're not physical enough. All it takes is a team to come in and lean on our guys and play heavy, and we back down. We melt. We just don't have the kind of personnel to be able to go out and match that. And Joe Sackick heard that. Not that he needed to hear it from you or or me. He knew it. He knew that his team was too soft. He knew that his team was too finesse. And so he's going out and he's trying to address that. And I think the, uh, the Manson trade was a great example of that. You're getting a guy who is going to be tough. He's going to be physical. It's tough to uh, move around. You know, you, you think of those extended forechecks, checks cycles that the Vegas Knights were able to get in the avalanche zone where they just kept seemingly having the puck for, for nonstop. And they were just beating up on the, the likes of, of, you know, Samuel Gerrard and crew. You, you put a Josh Manson out there and, and suddenly that's not happening. And boy, is there a lot of value in that? Even if you're not necessarily seeing it with goals and with points. So I like the deal. I know they gave up a lot. Drew Hellison is a, a very, a uh, highly touted player. He was a second round pick. 
He's having a career thus far with Boston College and with the U.S. Um, uh, national teams that would suggest, you know, he, he, he's got an NHL future ahead of him. But in order to get the deal done, this is what they had to give up. And I, I think it's I think it was a significant move. You know, my, my buddy James Marillat was saying, hey, the Avalanche need to do something significant at the trade deadline. And and his immediate re- reviews of this deal was it wasn't significant enough. I disagree. I, I I disagree because I do put a value on having guys that can play tough and play physical. That's why I like the other deal, the Nico Sturm deal for Tyson Jost. And in in some respects, it looked like a lateral trade, but was it? I mean, in Tyson Jost, you had a former first round pick. He goes down as a bust for as high as he was drafted, what tenth overall. Uh, he he was a bust, but cut your losses and and understand that hey there, maybe I'm trading a third or fourth line guy for another third or fourth line guy a bottom six forward, but it's the styles that matter here, right? Do you need another Tyson Jones? Do you need another uh, skilled finesse player when you already have a lineup full of them, or do you need some more grit, some more sandpaper? And I like what Aniko Stern brings again. Not a guy that's going to be a prolific goal scorer. He's not going to be a big points guy for you, but they don't they have enough of those guys. They need more toughness. They need more Josh Manson's on the back end. They need more Nico Sturms among their forward lines. And here's a guy who uh will will forecheck the reports out of Minnesota. This is a guy who loves to bring a heavy forecheck. He's good on the draws. He is reliable on the penalty kill. Again, you you think about playoff hockey, and it's become something that we're all too painfully familiar with, that the stuff that works in the playoffs, it's not always beautiful goals. It's not always tic-tac-toe passing. You know what it is? It's winning those battles along the boards. It's winning battles in the corners. It's going out in the front of the goal mouth and getting whacked in the back of your legs and sticks in the base of your back and taking that punishment in order to form a screen for a shot to get through, in order to be there for a putback on a rebound. Uh, most of the goals that are scored in the playoffs, they're they're grimy, they're greasy. And it's something the Avalanche have been exposed as not having enough of. So these two moves, I, I like both of them. I like both of them because of the very clear message that Joe Sackick is sending out. I want toughness. I want physicality. Now, we're not talking about goon toughness. We're not talking about fighting toughness um, because that's not an issue come playoff time. But it's having guys that are tough or physical but can also play some hockey. And I think that's what you got in the two deals. Now, the big question is, are they done? Will there be more moves made? Uh, How much does Joe want to give up future assets in the quest to go for it right now. Clearly, the Avalanche are concerned about secondary scoring. It's why they broke up the top line before Gabe Landeskog got hurt. It's why we're seeing um, Andre Burkowski on the top line, while we're now seeing Valeri Nishchuskin get some time riding uh, on, the, on the top line, because you, you, you can't just put everything together with the McKinnon, Ranton, and Landeskog line, 
Jared Bednar talked at, at length about that the other day. He said, look, you know, there are nights where our top line is going to be flying and producing, and that's great. But if a team's able to come in and neutralize that line, that after that, then we, we're just kind of another team. And so you can you can see by Jared Bednar's moves, his actions, and his words that he is concerned about secondary scoring. And so I still believe between now and the trade deadline that the Avalanche are going to try to get uh, somebody that can come in, a veteran forward that can come in and really provide some pop on a, on a second or third line and, and give the Avalanche that secondary scoring. Do I think it's going to be somebody as big as a big a Patrick Kane uh, or Tomas Hurdle? Uh, doubtful. Um, I know Claude Giroux has been linked with the Avalanche forever. I mean, that one almost seems like it, it's it's so obvious that this deal's going to go down, Giroux to the Avalanche, that it probably won't happen because it's simply so obvious. But the Avalanche are going for it. The Avalanche are in a win-now mode. And after years and years and years of building up their, their prospect pipeline and really cultivating them, you get you get the sense now that Joe Sackick's prepared to to move and go. And for some Avalanche fans out there, maybe you're one of them listening. That's a contrast from what the Avalanche have done for the last several years. That maybe is a bit surprising. Maybe bothers you a little bit. Uh, there are plenty of Tyson Joe's fans out there, or, t- or plenty of Avalanche fans who just feel you do not give up prospects. Do not give up the prospects. Do not give up on these young players in exchange for veteran players, especially veteran players that are going to be free agents and might just be rental players. You don't do that. You don't give up the Drew Hellisons for a Josh Manson. I, at some point, I think you got to ask yourself as a fan of this team, are, are you in a win or else window right now do do you look at the avalanche as you constantly want to make sure that the future is good the future is solid the future is is taken care of the future is exciting is it always about the future and enjoy the present or do you get to a point as a fan as a fan base where you're like you know what we've preached future we've talked about prospects but now we're in a time where it's time to win and win it all, and go for it. And if that means that might weaken our future a little bit, so be it. I don't, you know, I don't worry about it because you give up a few prospects here and there. The Avalanche already are are chock full of exciting young players. They're certainly paying uh, their their young players, and so it's not like the the pipeline is dry. There are still really good prospects in this pipeline, and and. Honestly, I, I trust Joe Sackick and crew to continue to go get more. So it's it's not like you are depleting something that um, you have no hope of of restocking. I, I don't I don't buy that at all. I like the approach, and honestly, I'd be shocked if Joe Sackick didn't view it that way. I, that that he would not look at this team as one where hey, I've got to go in, I got to be aggressive, I got to be bold. It it just it wouldn't fit with who he was as a player, what he knows as a player, what he knows works as a player, the uh, the influence that he was able to watch a Pierre Lacroix and the way that Lacroix would go out and uh, craft his teams and, and yet at this time of the year be aggressive, be willing to give up on some prospects to be able to go out and try to win a cup. And I, I love it. Joe's doing it. 
So I applaud the moves, and I, I don't think he's done. I think we'll have more stuff to talk about next week when we uh, bring you this uh, podcast presented by TNT Home Services. The other uh, really encouraging thing this week, and I think this bodes really well for the playoffs, is what we saw from Darcy Kemper. And what we saw was Darcy Kemper had a, had a rough night and got pulled, wasn't happy about it in the Calgary game. Comes back out his next game against uh, uh, against New Jersey and gets lit up. And at that point, I I think you, you were you were right in being concerned. Hey, whoa! Did Jared Bednar did they did they mess with Darcy Kemper's head? Did they get into his head? Do we have a crisis of confidence here? Even worse, did we see uh, one bad night in the regular season with twenty games left? Darcy Kemper got all angry and rattled and flustered, and he's thrown off his game. Man, if he could be thrown off his game this easy in a regular season game, how's he going to hold up in the crucible of pressure that is the playoffs? But Kemper quickly took a breath and and has gotten his game back to where, as we're talking right now, he's in a span where he's had two straight shutouts, and then before that the Carolina game in which he gave up one goal, one goal that was a quirky goal on its own. So in the last three starts for Darcy Kemper, he's given up one quirky goal. That's it. So he, I, I, to, it was, it was a big test that I think he, he passed there because it's been a joy ride this year, save for some of those injuries b- before the start of the new year. But, but since really, you know, right before Christmas, dude's just been rolling. He's already put together a career year. He's already set a career record for wins. And there there hasn't been a whole lot of adversity along the way. But he faced some real adversity here over the last couple of weeks. And, he, and it looks like he's come out on the other end of it. Now, does, does this kind of adversity match what you're going to get in the playoffs, especially as you go deeper in the playoffs? No. But for a guy that hasn't really had an opportunity to prove himself yet in the playoffs – this is all we, and I guess he and the Avs have to go on. And how does he handle some of these challenges? How does he handle some of this adversity? In this case, he handled it well. So does it mean without a shadow of a doubt that you know he's going to be just absolute nails and money come playoff time? We don't know. That We just don't know. We won't know until we know. But here's what I do know is I don't see – Anybody out there, the Marc-Andre Fleury's of the world, I I, I just don't see anybody out there that's a clear cut, you don't have to worry about it, sure thing, make the deal, pay no attention to what you gave up for Kemper in the trade, never mind that he's done everything right and exceptionally well during the regular season, we're still going to bail on this guy come playoff time. I I think you're you're at a point right now, and I, I, I know that for a time there and uh, and Adrian Dater would come on this podcast and we talk about the possibility and some of the rumblings that maybe the Avalanche weren't happy with their goaltending and were in the market for one. I, I think I think that was just what it is. It's it's talk. And I think ultimately the Avalanche have, have known for, for a real long time that Darcy Kemper's the guy. They're gonna ride or die with Darcy Kemper. And we'll see what he what he does. They they hope, they think that he could be the guy, but but they don't know. We don't know. Darcy probably doesn't know. We're not going to know until 
he actually goes out and proves it. But all we can go by is how is he handling the stuff that he can control right now. And he's had an unbelievable season, a career year. He he looks the part. He's handled whatever adversity he's thrown his way. <laughs> Excuse me. So now, now bring on the playoffs, and we'll see if he's got the right stuff. Um, but I don't think you're going to see any trade for a goaltender. So we'll see what happens. It's been an eventful week. Uh, it's been an exciting week. Um, the Avalanche, we, we continue to wait to see if they do something with long-term injury reserve with Sammy Gerrard or Gabe Landeskog. Do they bring in a player? Do they take advantage of the Vegas and Tampa Bay? Uh, Jack Eichel, uh, Kucherov, uh, loophole. We'll see. But as of right now, a couple of moves, clear-cut messages being sent by Joe Sackick. I receive them very well. I think a lot of Avalanche fans do. Those of you who don't, hopefully you'll be won over. That'll do it for this week's edition of the Mile High Hockey Podcast. Thanks again to our friends at TNT Home Services for all your heating, cooling, plumbing, and electrical needs. Give my friends at TNT a call, 720-500-1979, and at TNTHomeServicesCO.com, TNT Home Services, we got your six. We'll see you again next week on the Mile High Hockey Podcast.